It's Friday. Welcome to the Sportsline Podcast on CHCH. So pleased that you have checked in. I'm Bubba O'Neill. Southern Ontario and the Golden Horseshoe in particular, you know it, folks. We're a hotbed for amazing athletes, coaches, officials, and executives. Today, we extend that field to sports entertainment. We are just two months into doing the Sportsline Podcast, and I can honestly slay that we have yet to chat with such a charismatic, bombastic, hilarious, and yet somewhat complicated individual. His family background has led him to perform and excel on stage, on camera, and anywhere a microphone can be found. He's a Hamiltonian at heart who's traveled the world, and he, do, he, do, he really does have a story to tell. Eric Johnson, I'm going to say this. It is outstanding to have you on the Sports Line podcast. I can't believe we're finally here on camera together. I am so overwhelmingly excited. I think about my dad. I'm seeing you cut the promo, and I'm like, this is my childhood. I mean, I was at every wrestling match that you were doing color on and stuff, and you were working your way into all the matches, mm-hmm. special guest referee, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here. What a full circle moment. I'm, I'm so excited. You know, I will say this, though. I do have a, a little beef or a <laughs> bull with you here right now. I mean, I can see you doing all the shows and the promos across the country. You do have a book to talk about and, and, and sell, but, you know, going to see the likes of a Sid Sixero before me? What's going on here, brother? I'll tell you, man, I was a little afraid of Sid. Alright, he's he's got a reputation to be a little outspoken that mm-hmm. Sid Sixero, and uh, I was going to walk into the interview and go, listen, Sid, I, I don't know much about the Leafs. I don't know much about politics. I watch it, and that's it. Uh, and then I hit him with a line that made him laugh off the top, and I think I won him over, and then that was it. Sid Six Arrow. Uh, I'd like to go in the ring with that chat. <laughs> I really would like to go in the ring with that guy. I, I, he's a great guy. Yeah, 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 I would say that. Hey, look, you, you do, you've do. you got this book here. You're going across the country. You're talking to a lot of people about it. I mean, again, you're a guy that has been in the, in the as I said, in the performance industry for, for a long, long time. Your dad was someone, obviously, you looked up to. Yeah. Why write a book? Well, I mean, it was, I always had an idea I wanted to do something with the story of my dad, Bullwhip Johnson, my grandfather, the original Bull Johnson. And, you know, as I've been, people keep saying, you know, in all these interviews, as he's breaking into show business, you know, I've been doing show business since I was six years old. You know, I I started in dance and uh, competitive dance, musical theater, theater, got into film and television, then took on to stand-up comedy. And stand-up comedy really took off. But I knew that, you know, to get to the next level of my career, I knew I wanted to just get out there and tell these stories because I've been living with them my entire life and mm-hmm. you know I just look at you and I think of six stories that are so funny and makes you laugh makes me laugh memories nostalgia all that kind of stuff uh, Greg Oliver who's a legendary Canadian sports writer has written 20 books on sports uh, hockey wrestling everything uh, he approached me actually uh, I had an idea for a documentary called Becoming Bullwhip mm-hmm. and the idea of the documentary was uh, you know professional stand-up comic says it's finally time to follow in his family footsteps and become a professional wrestler i wrote it i pitched it it went nowhere for multiple reasons none of them were my fault uh so i was a little you know discouraged or whatever uh and then greg oliver approached me and said you know what i think there's a a book here you know i know so much about your grandfather i know so much about your father you know your father helped break me into the industry as a sports writer he let me backstage he was the first wrestler to ever let me behind the curtain Mm -hmm. so he goes i owe this respect to your dad and i'm watching your career take off he goes i think now's the perfect time for a book so that's exactly what we did for the last 18 months. Uh, Greg and he had a he had an assistant by the name of Joe Casharo, uh, and he they went out, conducted all the interviews, interviewed all my dad's friends, resource all the resources and, and and clippings and old articles, old books. They went in and they did the whole story. 
So the book is unlike any book I've ever seen because the first half of every chapter, Greg writes. He writes the who, what, where, when, why, how it happened, who promoted the show, who won, who lost, where was it? And then I come in the second half of every chapter and tell my experience with that and right. my story as a child mm -hmm. and uh, you know my 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 life in the circus as a kid. So it's really it's a every chapter is two chapters. Uh, it's broken up into two parts. So it's it's really cool. Your dad wrestled for how long? Oh, 25 years. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think we're going to learn when we read this book, and I think there's other movies out there, and if you haven't watched a lot of professional wrestling and you kind of dig a little bit deeper into it, you kind of find out that being in the wrestling family and your family as a wrestler, it's a really hard life. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, there's. I love the road. You know, the the road is is the best form of education. My dad always used to say that, and I feel like I have a doctorate in the road. You know, every small town in Canada I've been to, I've sold out a show there, you know, and seeing my dad be out on the road all the time. And he was around a lot when I was a kid because when I was born in 90 and his career started to slip 95, 96 into 99 was his last match ever. But I mean, he was always on the road and he'd come home and he'd be covered in bruises and cuts and scrapes and his back would be sore. I wrote in the book, uh, you know, it was my job when he came home for the road, I would rub A535 on his back. Mm. I said, I was like a cabana boy, but my hands were numb for most of the 1990s. <laughs> so, you know, I saw firsthand and, you know, the wrestling industry beat up my father, but it made my father the man he was. Mm -hmm. So it's it's the yin and yang of show business. You know, I experience it. I travel all over Canada by car, just like my dad did. I mean, I fly in a lot of places, but when I'm on a tour, I'm in my car mm -hmm. by myself for three months at a time mm -hmm. with just a bunch of pre-ironed shirts and merchandise and <laughs> microphones and mic stands and all kinds of stuff. And I just go. And my dad Dad really bred that into me so it's tough but it's you know it's beautiful it's a it's a beautiful thing that I do and yeah is, is there a part of it and I think you and I kind of share maybe something here in the sense that maybe that's something we've never really discussed in the fact that before you've made it to what you are right now as a stand-up comedian known around the world and myself on a little much smaller you know scale you know getting to be on television getting my first job at Sportsnet getting all the, the opportunities I've had at CHCH my dad passed well before this mm -hmm. and your dad too kind of before all of the great things that have happened to you and that's something that it hurts in a way but it's a story to tell too for sure and you know what i i didn't know that about you and it makes me understand you even more for the hard worker that you are and all the places you want to go you know I, I i say i've said before you know when you my dad passed away nine days after my 13th birthday i became a teenager and then i became a man nine days later it was my job to take over the family home my mom obviously was a great mom and all that kind of stuff but you know figuratively i was the man of the house and you know I say what, when you lose it a, a parent at a young age, um, you spend the rest of your life seeking approval from someone that you're never going to get it from. You just have this idea of approval from above, but it makes you an extremely hard worker because good enough is not good enough because I'm carrying not only my story and my journey, but I, I the re respect in the story of my father and my grandfather and the great men that came before me, and the great entertainers they were. So it's a pressure, but it's also a relief. 
I, 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 I feel like I'm chasing footsteps. You know, I, I wrote in the book that, you know, for the last 20 years, I feel like I've been living in the shadow of a man who hasn't cast a shadow in 20 years. And, you know, I'm a man myself. I'm married. My wife and I are trying to have kids. We just bought a house here in beautiful Hamilton, just off Green Hill. And all these things, I'm, I'm really becoming a man. And it's time for me to step out of that shadow. Yeah, I'm a stand-up comic whose dad was a professional wrestler. But now I'm, I, I'm so much more than that. You know what I mean? And, and I think the world, Canada especially, but now into the United States and all over, I've just booked a show in the Cayman Islands and the Caribbean. You know, they're seeing that. And that, for me, is, is really the most special part of it all. Well, and I think what we sometimes don't even look at in the sense that, you know what, yes, and it's not to, you know, tarnish anything that our mothers has, mm-hmm. have done, you know, but, and our sisters, because we have sisters too. Yeah, yeah. They're ultimately the ones that are most proud of us. Yes, and and I see that. And I wrote in the book, my mom is the real, my mom is the real hero of my dad's story. You know, I I look up to my dad. Obviously, it's so evident in everything I do. I've turned it into a brand. You know, it's Eric Johnson, the Bull. It's the Run with the Bull book. It's the Undeniable Comedy Tour. It's the Untouchable Comedy Tour. But my mom was really the one keeping us afloat. My mom was really the one keeping a roof over our heads. Mm-hmm. And they struggled, but my mom never let us know that. You know, my mom says that you know she she borrows from peter to pay paul and paul to pay peter in the 90s mm-hmm. she was using visa advances to pay the mastercard and vice versa and she worked full-time my mom worked for the bank of montreal for 46 years she started as a teller when she was 16 years old at gage and barton and she worked her way up to be the most senior female commercial account manager in the bank of montreal when wow. she retired at 46 years later and that's a true hero story so my mom went from you know my mom's cautious she saw what the entertainment industry did to my dad and the sports entertainment industry did to my dad with the bumps and the bruises. And she was very cautious. She was not supportive of me getting into show business. She wanted me to get a job at the bank. She wanted me to become a business owner. But now my career has taken off. Now she's my number one fan. She's calling people, telling she's stopping people at Fortino's. You got to come see my son. He's performing here. He's the best. He, she'll call me before and after every show. You know, how's it? Are you all set for tonight? Yeah. And then she'll call me at midnight sometimes. How was the show? How, did you sell any merchandise? Did people buy any books? She's so excited about the business aspect mm-hmm. of it. So I really get both sides of my parents, business and, and show. And then you get show business. So. You know, again, few people know the fact that I had an opportunity to get to know your dad. Uh, you know, again, on my way up, very much like you in those days, probably, you know, the very late 90s, just before I got into Sportsnet. And, you know, one of the things I did on a cable TV show with a guy by the name of Steve Foxcroft, who you know very, very well yeah, yeah. and been on his show. And, and, and Steve and I, he's been on this couch and we shared cable TV for probably a decade. Yeah had an opportunity to venture into the ring and we were asked to promote an event that was going on in Hamilton and they wanted me to be involved. So I think for the people that are listening and watching, I think I need to let them know exactly what happened with Bullwhip Johnson (laughs) and a guy by the name of Bam Bam Bubba (laughs) O'Neill. Roll the tape. And 75 pounds, he hails from Mule Shoot, Texas. He is Bullwhip. Johnson! And that's why I'm here! I have to agree with Bubba. Bullwhip's a mean, mean guy. And if, you know, if you're not ready to mess with Bullwhip, the Bullwhip's gonna mess with you. Well, Bubba and Bullwhip have a pass. And there he is, Bubs. I don't know what's gonna happen when he comes up to you. We have the tapes. We might be able to show you that footage quickly before this match gets underway. 
Bubba knocked out unconscious as the special guest referee by Bo Webb Johnson. Zach, what do you got to say about I that, I wonder if Bubba? he's got the guts to come around this way. Yeah, he I still wonder. has a look at me in the eye. Don't you worry about that, baby. I'm going to Anytime. You better watch yourself, Bubba. You're going to get yourself into more than you asked for. No, no, what people don't know is how much I was shaking in that moment. <laughs> Your dad was a bad man. Look at this guy in the ring. Oh, yeah. Well, that was a real squash match. I feel bad for that wrestler. His name was Ian Hacker, a local wrestler. Was uh, That actually was my dad's last match ever. Wow. May, May 1st, 1999. Uh, he got sick shortly thereafter and passed away in 2003. Um, but, you know, that was his big comeback match. He was 45 years old then, so he was a little, you know, long in the tooth to be a professional wrestler. But he came. He squashed Ian Hacker. One, two, three. That's Harry Demersion in the ring as the referee. And uh, he walked out. He cut a promo. He walked through the curtain. He never walked through it again. Wow. Um, and I, I tell you, I look at that, that that footage, and it makes me, you know, it, it makes me well up and stuff because, you know, he he. It was such a defining moment. That was in Hamilton at the Hamilton Convention Center. Everybody's there. Actually, I'm in this video a couple times. You wow. Can see me in the background. My mom's there. How old there. are you then? Oh God, if it's 1999, I was nine. Yeah, it was wow. born in 1990. So, you know, I was just a kid and being the front row for all of his matches. And I remember being so proud of him that night because he went and, and he kicked that guy's butt. You know what I mean? And he shot on you and Steve Boxcroft and everybody. It was just such a Hamilton moment. Mm -hmm which made it so special. Uh, but I, I love, and that's when I love seeing you. I, every time I see you, I go, don't you worry about nothing, Bam Bam Bubba O'Neill. Don't you worry about nothing. And it was, oh, so great. What a, what a time. You know, and that's one thing about yourself, too. The Hamilton label, and I hate to say it to bring it up again, when you were talking to Sixero, you let them know, because those were Toronto people, yeah. that you're from Hamilton, and, yeah. and that is part of your heritage, that's part of who you are, and you're yeah. proud of that. You know, I'm very proud of that. I, I've always been a proud Hamiltonian, and I write in my show, you know, for many years it's hard to be from Hamilton. People go, where are you from, man? I go, I'm from uh, halfway between Toronto and Niagara Falls, and, uh, you know, now I everywhere I go, I go, I, where people go, where are you from? I go, I'm from Hamilton, man, I'm from Hamilton. Hamilton. I don't care. I'm from Hamilton. People go, well, where is that? And I go, well, technically it's halfway between Toronto <laughs> and Niagara Falls. But you know what? I watch guys. I was always a proud Hamiltonian everywhere I went, but I watch people like the Arkells. Mm -hmm. The Arkells went out and said, we're Hamilton's band. Most of them aren't even from Hamilton. They all went to school here yep. and they embraced the city and the city gave it back to them. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so special. I mean, half the book is about the East End of Hamilton. You know, my dad grew up on Cope Street mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, all drank at the Driftwood and the, and all the bars in the East End and, and all the wrestling matches he used to run were at the Qantas Boys and Girls Club, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff in the East End of Hamilton. My dad believed that the universe started and stopped in Hamilton, Ontario. That globe was the point. And I believe the same thing. Like, I get excited when I'm on the road for a couple months. You should see me coming over the Skyway Bridge. I think it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Flames and smoke <laughs> and smog. And I'm going, oh, I'm home. home. Oh, man, this is so great and I, I really have been marketing myself as Hamilton's comedian mm -hmm. I think it's a smart business move but it's also it's it's real which is why people are buying into it there are a lot of great comics in Hamilton I can name you for the rest of this interview all the great comics from Hamilton mm -hmm. but I feel like I'm the I'm the comic from Hamilton who really says hey man 
I'm from Hamilton and I live here and I work here and I do shows here and I give back to charities here. I, I do community work here. I teach here. I speak at Mohawk College. I come on CH Morning Live. I've been on the show 30 times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that for me is just so important, just hammering it in. You know, I say Martin Short, Eugene Levy, Eric Johnston. And I want to be it in that order. And I want to represent the city in that way. And that's my dream. It really is. That's a good class. Thank that's you. a good class of people to be in. And I think, I don't even think we even need to ponder about you getting there. You are there already. It's coming, Bubba. <laughs> well, you know, and this whole comedy thing now, okay, so you're theater trained, you, you go to, to, to college, you go to Vancouver yep. University, is it? The, a Vancouver Film School, yeah, okay, private you, school, you, yeah. So yeah, anyway, you're, you're building up this, this resume as an actor. And yeah. what made it shift into comedy? It's funny, you know, so I, as a kid, I, wa I saw my dad working every weekend, just like he was there, mm -hmm. and I wanted to get on stage, but I didn't really know how, right? So I couldn't become a professional wrestler. I couldn't go out there and wrestle Farmer Pete, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So I wanted to get into show business. Long story short, I get into theater, musical theater, dance, I already said all this, but I went to the Vancouver Film School, and in the Vancouver Film School, we're having a late rehearsal, we're working on some sort of film production thing, and one of my classmates, Michael Moses, who's now my touring opening act when he's in town, uh, he said, hey man, I'm going to check out this open mic comedy night, you should come, and I went, man, I love stand-up comedy, I grew up watching stand-up with my dad, you remember how funny my dad was, mm -hmm. if my dad wasn't a professional wrestler, he would have had an excellent career as a stand-up comedian, but he never actualized that dream, but that's why he was so good in the promos, that's right, he, he, was, he, was, he was a heel, but he was funny, mm -hmm. he got people on his side by being funny, mm -hmm. And I grew up watching Just for Laughs, Comedy at Club 54, all that kind of stuff. So I knew what it sounded like. I knew what it looked like. I sat in that open mic and I looked at it and I looked at the guy on stage. I'll never forget his name's Byron Bertram. He's a working comic now. I looked at him and I went, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life, period. I signed up for the open mic. That was November 1st, 2010. And I have not stopped since. Uh, I do over, you know, 100, 200 shows a year. I travel all over North America. I've opened for Russell Peters. I've opened for Sebastian Maniscalco, performed at the Comedy Store, performed at the Laugh Factory. I headlined at the House of Blues in Chicago. Mm -hmm. I walked up to the House of Blues and it said, tonight, Eric Johnston. And I started to weep, mm -hmm. weep. Because I was like, this is this is my thing. And the community's coming with me. My work, I'm all I'm doing an hour to an hour and 15 minutes on stage. Mm -hmm. And it's stories about my dad. It's about Hamilton. It's about growing up in Hamilton. And I even do that in the States. I explain to people in Saginaw, Michigan, what Hamilton, Ontario is like. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's the biggest satisfaction. It just, I found it. It found me. And it's a match made in heaven. And uh, people always ask me, you want to get into professional wrestling? I go, maybe. I lust over it. Every time I'm close to a wrestling ring, I go, ooh, I should. I, I might have to get in there and take a couple bumps. Um, but stand-up comedy is my thing. And stand-up comedy is going to make me the star that I want to become. I do acting work. I just guest starred on a role, a role on uh, Fargo on Apple TV. I've done numerous commercials. I was on Splat a lot on YTV, which is seen in 170 countries in the world. But I'm a stand-up comedian. So tell me what it's like. I mean, I can talk to people and they I often get asked, what's it like, Bubs, when you're doing a sports line podcast? What's it like when you are hosting 
the six o'clock sports. Yeah. And I can kind of describe to them what it's like. And and I always do say that there's a mental and there's a, yeah, you see what you see, but there's also a lot going on within me. When you are within those final moments of going on stage, the lights are shining bright, someone is announcing your name, yeah. generally someone that you know very well and generally look up to. Yeah. And then you walk on stage and you have 50, 500, a thousand, two thousand people looking at you, expecting to be funny. Yeah, what is that like? It's the best, man. It's the best. It's the, it's the most calm I ever am in my life. It's funny because you know I'm such a comedian. I'm such an entertainer that I'm more comfortable on stage than I am off. I can do this with you and be, you know, back and forth, and we can have a great conversation and whatever. But you know, I'm more nervous about doing something like this than I am ever going out in front of a thousand people. Like last Saturday, we've been you know, we're showing the clip a little bit. I performed at the Hamilton Place Theater. There's 850 people out there, and it's this beautiful moment. Sean Majunder introduced me on Saturday, and I look up to Sean. I have since he was on Uh Oh on YTV in the '90s. <laughs> And he's going, he said, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a rising star in Canadian comedy. Please welcome Eric Johnston. And it's just this beautiful calmness where I have to make a decision. There's 800 people out there that can make me smaller, but I always make the decision to make me bigger. And I just, you know, it just, I come through the lights. I hit it. The energy I get is the energy I give out. It's the most beautiful thing in the world. I can't, it's better than drugs. It's better than anything. I don't do drugs, but I imagine it's better than <laughs> drugs. It's a better than anything in this world. It's, it's, it's a culmination of 14 years on the road doing shows for chicken wings and gas money. Uh, you know, now I make a living, a full-time living. I live a beautiful home in Hamilton. And, I mean, my wife's in real estate, so she covers the mortgage pretty good herself. <laughs> but it's paid for with comedy, right. with my thoughts, with my ideas, with my emotions, with my words, with my story. The book is an Amazon bestseller. I released that book on February 1st. On February 2nd, the book was number one in comedy, number one in sports, number one in sports and entertainment. It was a number one hot new release. It was number five on Movers and Shakers and got to number 71 on all books on Amazon. And I went, oh my God, they're do they're they're buying it. They're they believe in it. They're mm -hmm. and I'm selling them all over. It's I real. Sell, it's real. It's my story. Right? Nothing sells better than the truth. Mm -hmm. You know that in broadcasting. Mm -hmm. You know there's something that you're doing a story on that you know nothing about, but you just gotta you stand and deliver. But if there's something you're passionate about, hit tie cats or whatever, I see you on the six o'clock news lighting up, talking about Simone Lawrence and the Simone Lawrence day. I can see your excitement. I have that excitement every single time I go on stage mm -hmm. and people believe it because it's true. I, if I didn't want to do this, I wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I get a job. I used to sell gym memberships at good life fitness. I quit after a month and a half. I was a number one salesman, but after a month and a half, I went, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I, just <quit>. <laughs> <laughs> I just walked into the office. And I, I'm not going to, I got to do something else. <laughs> Cause this is my, I, I wrote in the book, stand up comedy and performing is my sole purpose, but it's my soul's purpose it's like it's the reason why i get out of bed every day you know it's 
it's the most important thing to the world in the world to me and being from hamilton and my wife I, let me say my wife is the most important thing in the world to me yeah can, I, can we get on that here <laughs> can, can, can we get i need to ask you about this because obviously you've you've done a great job of charting what's going on in your life on instagram and, yeah. and social media and i think it's an extension it's one of the wonderful things about social media is uh, that we can show sometimes the good and even the bad of what's going on in our life um knowing you as i do and I think I do hear this about comedians. It takes someone real special oh, yeah. to understand, to see you at your highs and at your lows. Yeah, I, I love my life, my wife, my life and my wife more than anything. I mean, she came into my life at the perfect time. Truthfully, before I met my wife, I was lost. I was a touring comedian. You know, I was drinking too much. Like I said, I don't do drugs, but I was out there, you know, hunting for women. And I just was in this world that I didn't like. And I knew it wasn't me, but it was this kind of character that I was portraying because I'm this young, single, bombastic, like you said, stand up comic. And then she came into my life and it was like I took a deep breath for the first time in, in 15 years. And she's in real estate and she's in business and she does very well. If you're buying and selling in Hamilton, call my wife, Jana Lee Frederick. But, um, you know, it, it's something special. Like, it's funny. My parents got married on Valentine's Day, 1981. Six days later, my dad got an apartment in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and lived there for the next three months because he was on a tri-state uh, territory wrestling contract. And my mom understood, and the, she loved him through it. And she loved my my mom loved my dad through everything, through his ups, his downs, his battles with mental health and addiction, his his victories in the wrestling ring, his losses in the wrestling ring. And I remember after I I, I say I said this, you know, I've said this before, but my first date with my wife I knew that I wanted to see her again uh my second date with my wife I knew that I was going to date her full-time and I was completely out of this single life world by the third date with my wife I knew that I was going to marry her and it didn't take long it was a year later we got engaged we met in April I told her I loved her in May we got engaged the following May we got married the following May <laughs> and now we have a house in off Green Hill which is so amazing but you know what my wife does for me is I this world and you know in broadcasting and everything, it's always spinning. It's always you gotta go here and I'm booking here and I'm making because I'm my own everything. I said this to you before we went on the air. I'm my own manager, I'm my own booker, I'm my own graphic designer, I'm my own video editor, I'm my own everything. So I just feel like there's just storm clouds. And in the middle of the storm, I look at my wife, she goes, Hey, what's going on? And it just all goes away. And I think that's what true love is, and 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 it really is something special. And I I, I I'm out of words to describe how much I love my wife. It's well, crazy. You, know, you know, and I just just to end end it on her, and and it's and it's great that you can open up and discuss her and talk about her and what she means to you. But I saw it. I don't know where where you guys were in your relationship, but I bumped into you, and you probably don't even remember this, uh, on an Argo Ticat game at BMO Field, and she was yeah. with you, yeah. and you introduced her to me for the first time. Time, and it was obvious it was written all over your face brother it was written all over your face i couldn't i couldn't lie about that i, I mean, walked away from that saying don't blow it dude don't well, she's blow hot it too. <laughs> she's hot she's hot look at her uh, i don't know what she's doing with me but uh no I, you know what I, I, it was evident I, I i yell it at the mountaintops you know my wife and and uh but it's true i i introduced her to everyone it was like it was kind of like a it was not even a braggy thing it was like 
look what I found. <laughs> it was like, it's like being, a, I don't know, a miner and finding gold or something. I'm like, look what I found. She's from London, but she moved here for Mac and she stayed. <laughs> she's Now she's staying forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? So Beautiful. Yeah, I, I agree. That's I, I do. It's it's really special. And one of the things that you said when you were talking about Hamilton, that you said you love to give back. And again, you and I, I guess in the fall time, I got to see another side of Eric Johnson <laughs> that I didn't even right. know about at the Easter Seals Dancing with the Stars competition, where you were unbelievable and I'll tell you something I have the final judging you didn't win but you were right there you were right there where did this come from well that's that's the story man uh, when I was a kid I wanted to be a wrestler but I couldn't be a wrestler so I became a professional dancer so I, for seven years from ages you know six to 13 I was a competitive dancer i traveled all around ontario doing tap jazz ballet music theater swing dance hip-hop everything because i just wanted to get on stage and perform and get underneath those lights so when the call came from tiffany at her auntie there my, my dance partner she goes hey i'm involved in this charity easter seals i said i'm already in i, I, I don't even know what it is but i'm in she goes we got to choreograph two dances and perform them in front of 900 people and i said <laughs> i'm doubling and then i got there and you were one of the judges and i was like baba i said don't you worry about nothing bad, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, but it was such a great experience and i think that night raised like two hundred thousand dollars or something yeah, it was a wonderful Easter night Seals and and I, I love doing stuff like that i do big comedy shows for masters children's hospital and stuff like that it's given back to this local community because my dad did the same thing as with his wrestling shows a lot of the wrestling shows were, were donated back to the boys and girls club the kiwanis club he did a big uh, wrestling show for george r force group homes which was for at-risk youth mm -hmm. donated all the money back you know what I mean? That's that's part of being a Hamiltonian. So when I had the opportunity to dance again, and as your viewers can see, I still got it, baby. I still got it. <laughs> you know, I lost to some professional dancers that night, but I think if I was if I was just if they were judging just civilians, I think I would have won. You, yeah, hey man, you had those size. What are those size thirteens? Size 13 tap shoes. You you had them moving, buddy. Shipped in from you, Chicago. You had them moving. <laughs> Folks, the book is? Uh, Run with the Bull, Three Generations of Sports and Entertainment. It's available on Amazon. You get the whole story. My grandfather, my father, my journey. It's about Hamilton. It's about sports. It's about entertainment. It's about it all. It's available on Amazon. It's a number one bestseller. And if you don't want to give the money to Bezos, you can give the money directly to me. I am selling them at all of my upcoming shows, uh, which is 75 shows across Canada coming up. Uh, you can find all that information at ericjohnstonwho.com do you have a read version because i want to have you in the car and just or anywhere i go and just have you read the book funny you say that i finished it yesterday i was I've wow been, I've really been in the studio for the last three weeks mm -hmm. reading it and uh, my sisters the last half of the book is about me and it felt weird if i was doing the audiobook for my own story so my sister's going in today to do all my parts keeping it in the family so uh yeah it's it's gonna be out soon and and uh, i also have the kindle e-reader version too available on amazon so. oh consider it purchased but this yeah. has been a lot of fun this has been great this has been great we and didn't talk much about sports we, we, we talked about entertainment well, we did, we did. <laughs> and you did in its own way and you have your connection to sport i don't need to no one needs to to, to we don't have to apologize for that or whatever <laughs> that this is what makes you such a wonderful person i've been proud to have you on the Sportsline broadcast and feel comfortable to come back here anytime. Anytime. I know my I know my dad's smiling ear to ear right now. I hope so. Bullwhip. <laughs> Folks, that's your Sports Nine podcast for the week. And you know, if you know an athlete, a team, event to promote, we certainly do want to hear from you. Please hit the thumbs up, like, and subscribe button. And if you do have something to say, please comment. For the wonderful people that make the Sports Nine podcast possible, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week 